All right, on the run with Beards and Dunn. Here we are, Beards. Episode number, I haven't got a clue. I've been keeping track <laughs> of these things. I know it's been a, a bunch, but, you know, how are you, let's, before we get into running and, and some of that stuff, how are you, how's your knee situation doing? Well, so I went back to the surgeon uh, yesterday, which would have been on uh, Tuesday, and you know he didn't he didn't want to take the stitches out yet another 10 days and he's still a bit concerned about the way things look and um so then i met with the infectious disease doctor just got back from there and she wants to keep me on iv antibiotics for another three weeks because she's also concerned because the knee i don't have to have a bandage on it anymore but it's it's um it's pretty (laughs) it's red yeah and it's it aches and it it burns a little bit, but uh, hey, other than that, I'm doing good. <laughs> well, at least they're saying, okay, this isn't working. They're, they didn't say that. That you know, right. the, the, let's give this antibiotics more chance, your own immune system more chance. Right, and I think the what they're a little concerned about, you know, the last surgery I had, they took the stitches out two weeks after. Gosh dang thing opened up again. Yeah, yeah. and so that's the challenge and if it opens up this time then they might have to try putting a flap over it or something i uh, i guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it get some gore-tex or something i don't know um, and oh. it's getting cold up here mikey oh beards anyway well i love the smile on your face and so i know you're 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 doing okay because if you're not smiling it's it's hurting bad <laughs> or something right like that. so uh, cool well, Beards, you know, um, kind of to bring us up to speed, we, we finished 1982, and I, you know, unfortunately for you, it didn't end on a high note. Uh, no. With New York, um, your Achilles tendon is bad. Yeah. Um, you ended up getting it casted to give it a chance to heal on its own, I guess. And then we had the story about the Honolulu Marathon of you having to get the cast cut off because <laughs> right. your big toe was going to blow off the end of your foot or something like that. And so you got the cast off. So just to kind of wrap that up, did you get back home, go back? Oh, they put another cast on, didn't they? Like, yeah, they put was, another cast on. Right. And and so then, you know, I was I was riding a stationary bike. I was, you know, I was on the farm at that time. I was shoveling snow up behind the barn to try to keep my cardiovascular you know part of me going going strong i have a yeah and um i remember some company sent me this mask thing and it it looked like a small scuba diving po2 uh simulator simulator yeah yeah (laughs) and it 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 was supposed to be like you're at eight ten thousand foot altitude it it would filter out the oxygen from the air but not all of it obviously right suffocate but I remember I have a photo and I've been looking for it. I know it's in a scrapbook. I'll find it someday. But we were there visiting you and you went down in the basement of your, yes. of your farmhouse. And, and and I can't describe it, but it was a dank, dark, yes. cold. It looked like a basement of a farmhouse. It did. And you had a stationary bike, which was yep. not a, a primo model. It was, no. it was just a, a bike, a stationary Walmart bike. Walmart special. And Beards, I have a picture of you like with two warm-up suits on. I swear you had a stocking hat over your head. You're wearing this, this <laughs> PO2 simulator. And, I look and like you're an looking alien. at me because I think I snuck down there with the camera. <laughs> I don't remember you having a TV or a radio. No. You would go down there for like an hour or so. Right. 
And I guess you were just dedicated, determined, you know, to try to keep your cardiovascular fitness up. You could pedal a darn bike without hurting your Achilles. Right. Trying to maintain your, your condition. You know, exactly. Your, your and then, you know, I go out behind the barn and I'd shovel snow and, you know, and I'm not making this up. So I've told this story a number of times, but, you know, typically my Sunday mornings were my long run. So I would go out behind the barn. Honest to gosh, Don, I would shovel snow back and forth into piles for two to two and a half hours. Your long like, shovel. <laughs> yeah. My, so that was my long shovel. Then, then. Mondays, I do an easy recovery shovel. Yeah. Tuesday, I do like, you know, like 10 times, two minute, real heart fast shovels as fast as I could with like a two minute easy recovery shovel in between. Wednesday was a medium long um, shovel. Thursday was like a little bit of fartlek shoveling. <laughs> Friday was an easy day. And then Saturday, I do a a 10K shovel. I would shovel, I'd warm up for like 15 minutes and then I'd shovel as fast as I could for like 30 minutes. I tell you, but this is, I'm glad that's a great lead in. I think what I'd like to do today, and I kind of bumped this off of you previously, just see what your thoughts were, but you know, let's kind of back up the truck a little bit. And you know, when we've had a few people request some, you know, a little more information about training. Yeah. Training principles. Um, You know, there's the, there's the, physical aspect of training, you know, and the, and then there's the mental aspects of training, which I think you were just kind of alluding to, you know, and anybody who's not shovel snow with a scoop shovel, (laughs) let me tell you, that'll get your heart pounding and your lungs. You'll be no kidding wind, man. And every time, Oh, every muscle in your body, it it seems like it has to work when you're shoveling. I had Popeye arms when I was done. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, that's why I hate to say this, but a lot of out of shape people go out and shovel snow and it doesn't end well for them. Right. It's such, it's so taxing on their heart, their cardiovascular system. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it's not a joke, but people do die. You uh, bet. They didn't know they had an underlying problem because they never exert themselves that hard to find out. Usually if you exert yourself a little bit, you get some warning signs, which is nature. God's sure. way of saying, you better get this checked out, buddy. You know, and, but when they go out there and shovel snow, it just hits them like a freaking sledgehammer. And they don't, the warning sign, they don't get nothing right. and they fall over. But, you know, let's, I, I kind of wanted to back up a little bit. You know, and so, you know, we've covered a lot of ground. We've covered five years. You know, we started this back. Our <laughs> first episode was, I think you're, um, you know, oh, it's been longer than that now. Your junior year of high school would have been like 74. Yeah. 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 So we actually, we started with that. So now we're up to well, actually the fall of 73. Okay. So late 73 yeah. and we've gone through late 82. So I guess we've actually covered about a nine year stretch now. And you know, when you think about where you came from and me I too, know. where we both came right. from to where we're ending, you know, nine years later, um, you know, you, I'm just going to cut right to it. Beard, you're at the pinnacle. I mean, when you, you were, you know, you ran 208 with Alberto first time, uh, two people in the same race broke 209. Right. And I just saw the other day, there were three Americans broke 209 and they highlighted the fact that that's the first time that's ever happened. In fact, they said it's the first time since Dick Beardsley and Alberto Salazar, 1982, wow. when two Americans broke 209 in the same race. Well, obviously I think it was Chicago where they, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that was, 40 plus years yeah, ago. The first time that we had three Americans, you were the first two Americans to do under yeah. sub, in the same now we finally got three guys under, and of course it was a perfect day on a great course with all the super shoes. And so we right. got to 
belittle their performances at all, but I still wonder what you and Alberto would have done with on a perfect yeah. day on a flat course with super shoes on. But um, and so you know, there's there's a lot of ground got covered in those nine years, figuratively and literally. And so I want to back up. Let's go back to yeah. high school. You know, you started running as a as a junior. It sounded like yes, really kind of. And I started as a ninth grader in, in track. But our training, I'll start with me and then, we'll, yeah, yeah. and then we'll go to you. Mine was, you know, I blessed Gene Borman's heart. He was our cross-country and track coach. And, and Gene was a, a, a quasi-runner in, in high school and college. He said he never had any outstanding performances, but he was a smaller stature kid, athlete. And running was really his only, you know, basketball, football wasn't an option for him. And sure. wrestling wasn't something on his radar like it wasn't on mine. And uh so he, he kind of drifted into running, and then he became a biology uh, teacher. He also loved athletics. He was an athletic manager, he said, for like a lot of the high school mm. teams. He was, you know, if you're not good enough to be on the team, but you're, I want to be part of the team. Right. I want to help the guys, you know, and I want to Hey, be, that's an important oh, part. It's a critical role. It's nobody goes through life and is a success totally independent on their exactly. own. Exactly. And, and we all need help and people that are willing to help, and that's so cool. And so he, you know, bless his heart, motivated guy, loves sports. But he, I think he would admit, you know, his coaching expertise was fairly, I don't know, you know, he read it in books or if they, you know, did they sure. even go to a few workshops, but, you know, and I'm just going to cut to the chase. Our, our workouts were pretty short. Uh, you'd run a mile or two, maybe. I don't ever think we ran much farther than about two miles. And then we do like intervals, four, four hundreds with like, I, I think we took full rest between each one because you'd, you'd run it as hard as you could. You thought you were going to puke yeah. and then you'd stand around and go, ah, oh, all right, <laughs> you guys, are you feeling all right? All right, do it again. <laughs> you know, and you'd do right. it again. And, and after about four of those, we're like, yeah, okay, good job. Head back to the, go get a shower. And we'd yeah. probably take a shortcut back to the high school rather than run the full mile or whatever it was. And then you'd go run races off of this. And we, but you know, I don't think anybody else had a secret formula that they were doing. Everybody was, this is the early seventies and, um, it just, it's just the way it was done. It was kind of survival of the fittest. And I think the natural talented guys kind of rose to the top because it wasn't like, <laughs> I'm trying to think how to say this. It wasn't like you took a raw kid and man, through good training principles, brought him right. up to a high level of performance. I think the guys that were doing well under those circumstances would have done really well with a really well-structured formal training. Absolutely. They were just talented guys. And uh, there was, you know, there's always talented athletes out there. And that, you know, until I went to those running camps and then I learned a lot about training and running and base training. And, and I, and I give Gene Borman credit. My junior to senior year, we went off to a race in uh, Dickinson, North Dakota. I ended up living there years later. And it was the Junior Olympics Regional. I qualified to go to the Regional Junior Olympics. I ran a 432 mile my junior year. And I Dang. won the state Junior Olympics. And that qualified me to go to this regional, which was hosted in North Dakota and never been to Dickinson. And man, it was it was a five and a half hour drive up there. Right. And uh, we stayed in dormitory. Anyway, long story short, we had a five and a half hour drive back that summer. And he and I sat down with a yellow notepad and, and, and I, I kind of paraphrase, he goes, Mike, let's come up with some ideas. What are your thoughts about some workouts for this fall for cross country? And, you know, I, I credit Gene. He was my father figure. He was a coach. He was an authority figure. Sure. But he was open-minded enough to say, I'm willing to listen to what you've been to these camps. You've been running for a couple, two years pretty steadily. 
what are your thoughts and what do you think we should do? And he and I sat down and wrote out workouts. That's pretty cool. It was. It was. I was very impressed. You know, I, I was happy he asked. Yeah. And, um, and we came up with a plan and we followed it and it worked well. And he says to this day, he shared that program with other coaches and there's still coaches using it. I, I should get a kickback. No, I'm kidding. I, yeah. which sounds, it sounds great. Sounds great. So Gene was, you know, kind of got help. You know, his key thing was motivation, made it fun, got us to the races, you know, kept us focused. It wasn't yeah. just a bunch of guys out there goofing off all the time. Uh, he, he made sure we were getting our work in and stuff. And so that got me through high school and I ended up doing fairly well. How about you? What, what would your high school, I, I've heard some stories about your coaches well, about smoking and stuff. And yeah, you know, my, my high school coach, um, he was an English teacher at school and I don't, he wasn't a runner that I recall later in, later in his life. I think he kind of took up running, but you know, I, you know, back then they just, they needed a body to coach a bunch of skinny guys that we didn't have girls on the cross country team yet until my senior year. And, but you know, so we, um, we'd probably run, I don't know, three to five miles after school. And then, and then we'd play touch football for like 45 minutes. (laughs) You shot a lot of basketball too. Yeah. And I don't ever remember doing anything on the track or anything like that, but you know, and I, I wasn't very good, but when I really started kind of noticing is that summer between my junior and senior year. So I'd be just, I'd gotten done with my fall season in the fall of 1973 for cross country. I didn't run track the next spring, but I I had set a kind of a goal for myself and I ran every single day done that summer. And I came back, you know, for my senior year of cross country and, and uh, I went from, you know, not making the team to being the number one runner, which now it don't, I'm not bragging it. it, It's not saying a lot, you know, we didn't have this great team, but I thought, wow, that just kind of really paid off. And I remember my, um, when I was a senior in high school, I started running uh, then during my study halls also, plus the afternoon workout, my study hall was in the morning. And I also tried playing hockey and I, I remember my my hockey coach, Coach Schaefer. So that fall, he goes, he goes, Beards. Now that you're a senior, you can't play on the JV team in hockey anymore. So he goes, he goes, I see you running every morning during study hall. He goes, maybe you ought to put a little more emphasis into your running. <laughs> he didn't Don, off, yeah. It's some of the best advice I'd ever got. I haven't had a pair of skates on since. Let's back this up. I think what I'm hearing here, and, and I agree 100%. I, you know, and if people are wondering, I, I ran twice a day between my junior and senior year. Now, that sounds like, whoa, that's a lot of running. I did a four-mile run. I ran around my section. And let me tell you, that yeah. four-mile run was aerobic. It was like right. I wasn't running as fast as I could do it because that would be that would just no. burn you out. But I, I would get out there and I, I I wouldn't say I was dog trotting, but I wouldn't say I was hammering. But every afternoon, typically, uh, probably three to four days a week, I'd run in our pasture across from our farm and I'd do shorter, faster, like 400 to 800 meter repeats. But I'd only do four of them. So say, yeah. okay, so there was a gully in our pasture. It was 400 meters. I could run. I would run at threshold. I run as fast as I could run to that right. gully, and then I dog trot to the other end of the pasture, a quarter mile. So I did a 
you know, 400 with a 400 jog at best. Yeah. It was just, I didn't, I didn't walk because there was something about the, right. I don't walk. Oh, for sure. The dog trotted and I'd get to the fence and I, and I, and I, I'd run as slow as I could to that fence. Cause the minute I got <laughs> to that fence beards, boom, I turned around and nailed it all the way back to that gully. Yeah. 400 meters. And man, I'd get to that gully and jog down up the other side and dog trot to the other end of the pasture, another 400. And I would only do four of those. So I got two miles. If you did the right. math um, of, of running. So that was six miles for the day. Some days I would do the full length of the pasture. And I tell you those, I just kind of thought I got to get used to this going a little longer. So I did yeah. 800 and I turn around and dog trot that 800 back and then I do another one and I would, that would be it. Right. Now I wasn't doing, but those, those were threshold. I mean, my heart was pounding. I was sucking wind. Right. And it really kind of taught me um, to suffer because they were uncomfortable. Yep. It wasn't fun. And, and part of being a good runner, runner is whether you're a guy or a gal is you have to be able to Endure. To learn how to suffer a little well, bit out there. You know, I, I use the word, you know, there's dedication. And I don't know what your definition is. Dedication is, I'm going to run every day this summer. You right. dedicate yourself to a goal. Determination is, man, this doesn't feel so good, but I'm going to keep doing it. Right. You're determined. Or, gee, you wake up and you look outside, nah, it's a little windy out today. I think I'll just take the day off. That's not determination. Uh-uh. Determination is, no, I'm not going to let anything get my way. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I like to think both of us were fairly determined. Oh, we were, we were. done. And, and, and I'm not bragging. It's just a fact no, of life. No, but, but done. We, we both had a goal. We yeah. both wanted to keep improving our running. And I don't remember if you, if you and I ever got together on runs, which we did, you know, fairly often. Um, I don't think, I don't remember any weather that oh, stopped never. us from getting out. Oh, I could, t- I mean, we have horror stories of sub- I remember distinctly Karen driving me out to Aurora, west of Brookings, about five miles. And I ran because it was 30 below wind chill. And I right. ran back into Brookings with a tailwind. And that, and even at, with the wind behind me, it's still brutally cold. And then I oh. got into town and I started running up and down the street. So when I had to go into the wind, I'd be in a, a residential area. And I, had, I got a 10-mile run in. Five miles with the wind and then five miles in the town. I just didn't want to do 10 miles zigzagging around. No, town. and Dan, I did the, I used to do the same thing. And we got, you know, folks listening that are a, a younger generation than us or two. Um, we didn't have treadmills. the, well, treadmills, a lightweight Gore-tex. running clothes that keep you warm. We, we look like the Michelin man <laughs> exactly. out there because we're so bulked Multiple up. layers of sweat. <laughs> well, then, you know, I can remember also blizzards. And, yes. I, and the whole last issue, and us guys, I remember one time doing the 3M loop. Beards, we're running through knee-deep snow. It's the hardest goddamn five-mile run of my life. <laughs> because you, I don't know if you know, but running through deep, well, snowshoeing, that's why you, they invented oh, the damn thing. You can't, right. you can't really go through deep snows without something to keep you above the snow. Well, we just plowed through. And usually one of us would take the lead and break trail. Until you were, and then you'd let some other dude, it's like biking. You take turns exactly. pulling at the front. And I mean, you think of that and you go, what were you guys thinking? We were determined and we were dedicated. I mean, you have to well, kind of get that in your and head. And Don, that's one of the reasons South Dakota State has such a tradition of being, yeah. you know, it, back when we were there, Division Two, one of the powerhouses in cross country because yeah. we weren't afraid to get out there no matter, no matter what, what the weather. And if we had to run through a blizzard, we ran through a exactly. blizzard. Exactly. And I think when the weather was crappy, we'd say this is more to our advantage. 
Oh yeah, was, and it was kind of fun it, too. Well, you know, some <laughs> those West Coast schools didn't always like to come out right. and run in the Midwest. Uh, speaking of weather, I'm going out to Brookings for the uh, Summit League conference meet. I'll try not to rub yeah, this. Yeah, bring in. your clothes. Bring your done. 32 degrees for the high and a chance of snow on Saturday. Exactly. And it, uh, I'm just thinking, you're going to have fun, dude. I wish I was running to stay warm. I'm going to have to wear <laughs> long johns or something like that. Yes. All right. So high school. Let's be honest. We just we ran because we loved it. We were determined. The structure really wasn't there. It was more of like no. I kind of got a little bit of structure from those running camps and kind of the hard, easy principle. They taught me that don't go hard more than if you do those. I usually, the, you know, a lot of times I'd run that two miles around the inside of the pasture. instead so do intervals. That was my off. Day. Yeah. But anyway, then you went to junior college and right. I know that was a uh, coach folk rod. You go ahead. You, yes. He really helped give you some structure. Oh, absolutely. My, you know, when I got into junior college and coach folk rod and, you know, he took me under his wing and, and, you know, I was running twice a day and I was running, you know, back, you know, I was probably running 75 to 85 miles a week. And I really saw improvement, uh, in my, in the various distances. And, you know, we, and he was a really good coach and he knew his, he knew every, knew his stuff. And so, you know, we do, you know, we do some hard days, some easy days, um, you know, he tried to get me to do a rest day, but a rest day for me was maybe doing a seven or eight mile easy run, you know, but you know, I really, once I got that structure there and had a coach that worked with me, that really, it really did. My running really started to kind of, you know, take off. Well, you know, going back, I, I was just thinking, you know, if anybody's listening is curious, I averaged between my junior and senior year, 42 miles a week. Now, for a high school kid, I, I don't think that's 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 a bit of running. You know, if you divide that by seven days a week, that's six miles per day. Right. Now, some days I might have ran 10. Some days I might have ran four. I don't, I don't think I ever went farther than 10. But, um, you know, and then by then this transition from high school to college, man, did my miles. And I, I, I told this story one time that the day I finished the high school state track meet, my senior year, I was done. No more high school. Your, your track right. meet was yesterday, my final meet of my high school career. I went out for, I thought, I went out for a 10-mile run the next day thinking, I'm in college now. And five-mile yeah. or six-mile runs weren't going to do it anymore. And, and um, I know my senior, between my junior and senior year, I missed three days of running. You said, you, did you miss any days that you remember? Not that I remember. Very few. And then, you know, SDSU, Jay Dirksen had us doing the mileage cards, which you in, inherited right. when you came to SDSU. And we rarely missed i think i missed one two three days of running every summer there was no like you just said the de the dedication was unless you were sick and right you know there's family things maybe you i hate to say it, you had a lot grandma and aunt passed away and you had your right. family was driving up there for a funeral and it just was like impossible to work a run in okay that's a, get over it but right unless there was a reason where we're going to get out and run and so then the mileage jumped from, you know, 40 for me to my freshman year. Like we we're, I was that summer. I have to look back. I have all those things. It was probably around 90 miles a week. So done. Let me ask you this. So when you made that big jump, basically doubling your right. mileage, mm -hmm. did, did any injuries no. pop up or anything? It was summertime. I ran on gravel. I ran on grass. Um, yeah. I would get up and I was still milking cows and beards and, right. and it was so hot and I'm not bragging, but I'm just going to tell you, this is what you got at the mindset I had. It would get hotter than blazes 
in South Dakota in the summertime, right? I would get up because we usually try to milk about five thirty, no later than six a.m. Because you want to, you want to be in early enough. You don't want to wait till five thirty, six o'clock at no. night to go out and milk. You'll be in by nine. Go to back to right. So, but we, I would get up at four thirty, five a.m. and go do my ten mile run then go milk cows, then do chores. I'd kind of get my run in for the day before the heat. Sure. Because we didn't have air conditioning. The barn didn't have air conditioning. And we were doing field work and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so I remember, you know, getting up at the, it was a break of dawn. And I don't know if you remember Eric Holst was a famous runner from the, he was a high school record holder. He unfortunately passed away several years ago of a brain tumor. But he was an outstanding runner, ran for Cal Poly SLO and stuff. He wore a baseball hat in races. I had a baseball hat I wore that whole summer. That thing probably stunk so bad. From, <laughs> but every morning I get up, I put my Eric Holst hat on because it's just kind of funny when you're in high school, you look at people and you go, "Well, Eric Holst wears his hat." And he's sure, a runner. like what different. What I just was kept the sweat out of my eyes. Heck and yeah. so I'm telling that story because, you know, you, you got to kind of get that. I don't know if you call it the eye of the tiger. Remember that song? And you have sure. to be determined and. And I don't know where that determination comes from. You know, the inner drive, um, you know, we can get into psychology here if we want to, but uh, I, I don't. Um, you know, you're trying to, um, you know, get acceptance from people. And, you know, I kind of cut boil it down to I'm always trying to be, you want to, you know, if you can't love yourself, uh, right. you got a problem. And if, if athletic performance makes you feel better about yourself, then maybe that's one of the things I went after is to feel good about myself and to get um, that, you know, I, I did love the recognition. I, I appreciate, I don't know if you heard Rod DeHaven's um, interview I did with him when you were yeah. available a few weeks ago, but he Excellent. said, you know, Mike, when I, I did that Jack 15 at age 10 and he goes, I got a ton of recognition. He goes, people were like, man, this is amazing. That's awesome. You're you know, they told him he was amazing. Sure. And guess what? He showed up every year. I, I just got this thing in the mail from the Prairie Striders. They've done a history of the Jack 15, every finisher, every age group. And guess who's got the 10, 11, 12, 13 fastest ever Jack 15s? All Rod, All Rod DeHaven. He never <laughs> missed a darn thing. And he admitted, I love the recognition. And that fed, you know, you get into these happy hormones, these endorphins, these oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, these things that really make us feel good. And, you know, it's, it's a natural way of doing it. And we can get into other forms of addiction, beards down the sure. road somewhere, because I know you've got some, some interesting insights of that. Sure. But, you know, the drive and the determination, you know, it's still kind of a mystery to me how... I did not understand. And Karen and I went out for our bike ride this morning and what a gorgeous day. And, you know, I see nobody out there on the road running, nobody out there on the road cycling. And you go, what is wrong with people? I mean, I still get that rush of joy and excitement and pleasure and self-satisfaction. And, and I think you do too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you, you, you figure out a way to get it in. As slow as I run now, I still get you, that self-satisfaction. You're, you're probably doing like, still with your knee. You're still getting... Oh, for, I am. You are, I knew that. Anyway, and so then that just fed us to keep keep going, keep going. So now we're at SDSU, get very structured program from Jay Dirksen. He handed us our workouts for cross-country and for track the first day of the season. And there it was. It was laid out, black and white. And unless you were sick, dead or dying 
That right. was what you were going to do. And we So done. Did he lay out the whole season? He, the, the competitive season. He didn't give us anything in the summer and he didn't give yeah. us anything in that probably November through January. But you knew your workouts oh. from the days yeah. cross country started till you it ended. You knew when, how many times you were going to do Killer Hill. You knew how many times you were going to do, you know. Wow. Yeah, because we knew it was like, oh, this is our last time we have to go out to Killer Hill, which we'll talk about. Soon. It's, a, it's a hill that was about 800 meters of loose dirt. Um, there was a famous coach, Percy Ceretti. I don't know if I'm. Yeah, Ceretti. He coached Herb Elliott to the gold medal in, in Rome in 1960 and all this kind of stuff. He would have his athletes, Herb Elliott, running up sand dunes, barefooted. Ah, I beards. I can't walk in the sand, let alone try to I'm run right in with the you. sand. Well, this loose dirt was kind of simulated that you'd push, you'd running as fast as you could, but your foot, you got unstable. Oh, it's work. It's brutal. It's, oh, it's gotta be. Oh, it's well, we would do that once a week for about six weeks. Anyway, so very structured. I I loved it. Uh, I think most of us kind of liked that. We didn't have to think. You just kind of, yeah. here's your workouts, do what it said. We went easy on the easy days because we knew how hard the hard days are going to be. And the- Well, the nice thing about that too is getting that, that three-month plan yeah. is that mentally you can oh. get yourself ready for that killer hill or and, whatever and workout. And every Sunday was a 20, a 20-mile 20 yeah. in cross-country. And so it wasn't like, what? We have to run 20 miles? We yeah, he didn't spring it on Saturday. And then we'd cut it down to 15 towards the national conference towards the end of the year. We'd kind of get a little rest. We didn't have to go quite so far. Yeah. And so you, you know, kind of gravitated right into that. You seemed to jump in and thrive that that fall of 78. I mean, you were oh. you, you seemed to handle it and then some, no problem. And Well, done. And what for me, you know, when I was at Wasika, you know... I don't recall, there might have been one or two guys on our team that were kind of into running. But man, when I got out to South Dakota State, man, to have the teammates I had on at SDSU and, you know, a lot of them, like yourself, were state, past state high school champions. They were dedicated to the sport and and getting in with that group that was fired up as much as I was about running, especially you and I, because we, you and I hit it off like brothers from the get-go. I know it. And that, that, again, that took my, my running up another, another step up on the ladder. There was nothing better, you know, those SDSU years. And I think Rod spoke to it in our interview. You know, he could have went to a bigger division one school and and he kind of felt like some of those Division One schools, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but this is my interpretation, they're kind of like factories. You, they get these great right. athletes in, and, and a few of them rise to the top, and a lot of them fall by the wayside. And, and I don't know if they really feel that, um, what's that, you know, the, the family atmosphere, the brothers, you know, the in right. arms sort of thing. Uh, oh, we had that oh, at SDSU, man. Very much so. I mean, we all had each other's back. You know, we wanted to beat each other, but we wanted to help each other. Yeah. Somebody, when you know, I always said, Beard, you're one of the nicest guys I know. But in a race, you get a freaking knife fight because right. if, if, if Beard sees you're hurting, oh, he's going to put the hammer on you. Time to put the it's hammer like, down, oh, baby. Geez, Beards, I'm starting to get tired. Would you slow down? Yeah, no, that's not the way this works. Anyway, and so then, you know, I don't know if we really, we can get into a little bit post college. And then we just kind of took what we were doing and built on it. Your mileage went up. And so I, I got a few notes here. I was going to kind of figure, okay, you know, my, I wanted to ask you this question. I didn't give you this to you in advance. So maybe I'll go first yeah. and you can think. Your four favorite workouts, you know, if you had just four, yeah. Here's mine. And then maybe this will kind of okay. give you an idea. The long run. Yeah. 
the long run. I don't know, you know, if you said, what's your favorite? If you, yeah, if you could never run again or only could do one workout, you know, Ron Clark, the great Australian runner, talked about this. When he retired, he said he'll never give up his long run on Sundays with his mates down in wherever he lived in Australia. Yeah. Because these guys would get together and go out, and I think it was a 20 or 23-mile loop in the in the bush, the woods, the forest, whatever. Sure. And they had such a good time. They would talk. They would laugh. They'd joke. It wasn't a, a, a social jog. It was like a run. But he said, I, I love it. I could never give that up. I got to yeah. agree. I think the long run, either alone or with a group of people, it just, you get done, you have that warm, fuzzy feeling that whole day. And, it, and the satisfaction of a long run, 15, sure. 20 mile, whatever. That's probably my number one. And then, you know, some kind of interval. I loved, uh, you know, anywhere from 200 to a mile intervals. Four by, 10 by 400 with a one minute recovery. When I wanted to get fit for a track or a 10K, 5K, 10K, if I could get on a track and do a 400 and basically a threshold, which is like 65, 66, 64, sure. you know, 420 pace. I only had to do, and you'd finish that and you'd be like, wow, I can't do another one of those back to back. Or if I did, it's a, you know, it'd be like 800 meter race. I'm done. And then you get one minute. And, and because of our, I think our aerobic, we could recover in a minute and go nail another one. Wasn't yep. easy. And we do 10 of those suckers and, you know, you'd be the brands, the bills. That's a workout. Oh, it is. And, you know, it's not a lot, but man, it would really, it's just like it bring you up a level. It would really make, it make 72nd pace feel pretty, pretty, pretty good. And sure. 75 pace feel great. That would be my number two. Number three, fartlek, you know, and there's so many forms of it. You know, there's the freestyle, the, you know, fartlek is a Swedish term. People almost embarrassed to say the word fartlek. For speed play. Yeah, speed play. It's Swedish for speed play. And some great coach in Sweden, I think Gunder Haig was his athlete. He coined it and came up with it. And the, the, the classic is where you just run by how you feel as far as you want to go. If you feel great, man, I feel I'm going to sprint. And you'd run 100 meters as fast as you could and get out of breath. Oh, but that was kind of fun. And that, well, there's, there's no, no bad way. There's no, no wrong no. way of doing fartlek. And, and that's just, you just run by feel. And maybe after you did that 100 meter, you go, I'm going to try going a half a mile this time. I mean, it's just spontaneous. And how long your recovery is, is up to you. I mean, it was kind of speed play. You're out there playing around right. with it. But it was a way to change gears. You do, And you were getting a, a double workout. You're getting the cardio because it might be five to 10 miles of distance. Exactly. So you speed work intermixed with it, kind of like in a race where you're changing gears sometimes. And so uh, that's, you know, then there's the structure. And I think that's what you and I might be a little more familiar with is, you know, maybe you say, well, I'm going to do one minute pickup with a 30 second recovery or, or, yeah. or one to one or, you know, two minute pickup with a two minute recovery or, or no, maybe it's one, two, three, four, five minutes with one minute in between. And you can, you know, we, we got later in our careers, we, we had the chronograph, the, the watch. Yes. And so, and I remember doing them with you, you could set yours, you could program it to be right. intervals. So you didn't have to keep looking at the darn thing to say, is it time to go yet? Just take it easy. When you hear the beep, we'll go. You know, that go. Sort of thing. And so, you know, I guess that might be number three. And then, you know, number four <laughs> just may not sound like the easy run. I mean, wasn't it fun when you'd say, I'm just going to go out for my yes. mom. I'll be, I'm going to bat. I'm going for a run. Well, how far are you I going? wish I would have done more of those. Oh, I know. There's, you know, when you come back and there's like no pressure, you just go out for a run. And I usually did it with Al Stratmeyer. Al was my best yeah. buddy. Yeah. And he was in high school, I was in college, and after college, you know, he was, you know, we could just, when I ran with Al, it was just, it was just fun. But anyway, what's your thoughts? So for me, definitely my 
favorite run of the week was that 22 to 24 miler I would do on. I was going to ask what your long run was in your mind. Yeah, 22 every Sunday morning, 22 to 24 miles. But it wasn't just out. I'm slogging, getting my 20 plus miles in. So you know, when I got hooked up with Coach Squires, you know, I he would have me do in that 22 plus mile run everything I'd done the previous six days. So there would have been some fartlek thrown in there, some long intervals, some sprints. And I'll tell you what, it made that 22 plus mile run go by so gosh dang quick done. And you were on, you were on a number of them with me. I remember a six, six easy one on. And the one minute was like, boom. And I was always worried you're going to leave me out in the woods. But I could, you know, in one minute, you couldn't get that. I could just kind of draft you for a minute. And then we'd grin. And when we say comfortable, it was probably around six-minute pace. Right. We were fit. And so six-minute pace felt good. And then that one minute. And that made that 20-miler feel like 10, if that. It did. I can't believe we're already. Anyway. So that's. Yeah. And so that was my. Your base. Without doubt favorite. Then my my next. I love Fartlink. Mm. And, you know, before I got hooked up with Coach Squires, I kind of did it like we were first discussing where, you know, I'd see a red car up ahead. So I, gosh dang, run as hard as I could to that red car. And then I'd kind of do, a, you know, I'd slow down and have a little recovery and I'd pick out a big pine tree down the road. I'd run hard to there, you know. But um, when I got hooked up with Coach Squires, then it was more of the, you know, 10 times a minute and a half with a minute and a half recovery between. Now the recoveries we're probably at sub six minute pace, but when you're running at sub five minute pace for that, those pickups or even fat, you know, quite a ways under man, you know, it felt like you were jogging. You know? um, and so I, I, I loved that kind. And, and then, you know, I, I always liked my, my mid midweek long, not long run, but it was I, some midweek. I'd always do like a 12 to 15 miler, just mainly steady going out, but at a pretty good clip, you know, and probably my, then my least favorite. <laughs> Go ahead. So was, I, I, I was not a big fan of doing stuff on the track. You know, I don't think, I think I might've went to the track in my buildup for Boston, maybe three I times. The, I remember reading your journal and saw some 800s on there and yeah. stuff. But. I, I did some, or like coach would have me, Coach Squires would have me go out and, and like, like on these 22 milers, he, you know, I'm throwing everything but the kitchen sink out there on the road. And then he'd go on the way back in, I want you to find a track and do your last mile and, you know, run it in 430 or something like that. And after doing 22 miles, you know. I seem to remember seeing some, you and Dean Matthews doing some track work, some 213, 212. Yeah, yeah, we did some. You know, those 800s. And when I look at your times, you pretty much nailed it. You know, you could knock those suckers off in 212 with the, you know, I can't remember how many you did. And, and at my level, when I was running 220s, I was doing my 800s in that 220 to 222. And that, yeah. don't ask me how Yasso 800s work because it's it's a mathematical. But, and, but, but done. You got to remember. The Yasso 800s weren't around when now, you and I were back. Now that they we look at it, I see they still worked, but, even though we didn't know but we they were still, doing them. Because I would run a lot of mine, those ha- those 800s, and you know, like 208 yeah, to 210. And so, you, and then you ended up running that for a marathon. And so, right. And if people don't know what a Yasso 800 is, look it up on the internet, and you can read all about it. Pretty anyway, cool. Um, the other thing before we're, I can't believe we're going to run out of time. I is, know uh, it. Cross training. 
I know. Uh, I'm just going to cut to it. You did a ton of yeah. sit-ups. Always yes. have. Always. Even to this day. All right. Good for you. I do, I do you know, four to 500 crunches and, every and morning. I and I do. For the, the, and I do 23 yeah, push-ups. Right. And people say, why 23? Well, you know, Don, I, it's for the 22 uh, veterans that take their life every day. And then for the one present day service person that takes their life every day by suicide. So I do that in honor of my son, Andy, and all those veterans out there and present day servicemen. And then I just, I've always done lots of crunches. It's just part of my daily routine. How about well, you? You know, I, I did look back and I, and I hate to admit it. My best marathons, my three, I went to, I do you remember Nautilus, a company called Nautilus. Oh, sure. And I don't think they exist anymore, but I don't think so either. They were built on a cam system. So as you do curls, because curls, when you first get to that 90, it's easier to do in certain positions and it gets harder to do in other positions. Right. Well, the cam would keep the effort consistent. So you could do more in, in the harder part and not as much, but it would be consistent. And you only had to do one set. It only took about 15 minutes to go through the 12 machines do like 10 to 12 reps of each thing. Yeah. And I look back and before Houston, I was in Sioux Falls. I went to a Nautilus for about two months, three months before Boston. I was doing them in, in Birkings had a Nautilus and it was like 25 bucks a month to join or something. Sure. It wasn't prohibitive. And I kind of look back and I thought, wow, you know, my best marathons, I did some, and I'm not saying we're hit lifting for bulk here or anything. No, you you're no, not distance That never happened. And yet, I think that being a stronger athlete with, with core, you know, your core, because you're only as good as your weakest link. And if you yes. start getting side aches, you're starting getting low back cramps, anything, you know, because that muscle's you just haven't trained it to go through what you guys, what you put it through. And so I, I think that's, I, and I'd, I'd be interested, I should ask Rod, you know, with the, I think the SDSU team hits the weight room a couple days a week on their. Well, I'm done. I, you know, as I look back, to my younger faster days you know i look back now and i see the the runners these runners this generation now that you know the the hitting the weight room a couple two three times a week is a big part of their training yeah. you know again you want to you want to strengthen everything yeah. that'll just make you a better runner well, you know back in the day and i'm not going to sound like i'm that old but i am you know, we, we yes, you are. and manual labor right. kind of gave us that resistance training. I was carrying buckets of milk oh, and, and chucking, chucking, chucking 75 pound hay bales all, all day long. long. And so our population now has very little opportunity built in right. like that, like we did. Um, I'm not going to, we could talk about stretching. Any comments about <laughs> stretching beer? What's, what, what's yeah, that? Know. <laughs> you know, and, the, and the school is, and maybe you can kick in, but They've done tons of studies and, you know, some people, I think it's kind of biological people that stretch a lot and people who don't stretch at all, they follow them for periods of time. They both have yeah. the same equal amount of injury. Yes. Now, if you're one of those people that seem to do better with more stretching, less injuries, maybe we kind of learn that. Do it. Trial and error. Keep doing it. If you're one of those guys who says, you know, every time I stretch, it seems like I get hurt shortly thereafter or something aches or I strain something, maybe... It's not so much for you. And, and done. You know me. I was never much of a stretcher. I mean, I stretched my calves out in the morning. And that was about it. But I, uh, and uh, you know, I can, I mean, all I've, even back in my younger days, if I, if you said, hey, reach down and touch your toes. Oh, I can get down to my kneecaps. That's about well, I remember it. Rich Benio <laughs> said, you know, running makes you tighter. Well, who's to say that's not a function of the activity that makes right. you better at that activity. It's, a, you know, it's nature's way of saying, well, you're going to be an endurance. 
The problem with it, I think, is range of motion. And that's why I think shifting gears, you know, doing 200 meter strides, doing mile intervals, yes. doing some hills, you know, you're, you're, you're lengthening your stride, you're shortening your stride. Yes. Getting that leg you're, turnover you're, can be very, very important. You're building your ligaments and tendons are getting stretched and strained to become stronger, what have you. All right. Last thing. And when, and I think we'll be able to cut it off, you know, the, and here's my, I, I don't know, as a physiologist, I always think back before we <laughs> effort, you know, when you say, Hey, beards, let's go for an easy run. You know, in your, in your gut, well, this feels easy to me. Now for yes. a sub elite, non elite, your easy run is their race pace. Let's be honest. Right. So yep. it's relative. And so you have to be kind of a, you know, you kind of, I guess it's trial and error when you learn what's, what's, what's easy, what's moderate and what's hard. And, and men are notorious for, I work with cardiac patients and they'll tell you, oh, this is pretty easy. And their sweating bullets are all red in the face because male <laughs> ego and pride doesn't want to ever say, man, this is, this is hard, you know, because for right. some reason we don't want to admit weakness or something. And so that's a dangerous thing. It's kind of a, um, it's like looking at art. I'm just amazed when people go, oh, isn't that beautiful? And you go, Jesus, it looks like some first grader or some monkey did it, you know? Well, yeah, it looks like somebody took the can of paint and just threw <laughs> it on a piece no, of canvas. Show me a Terry Redlin or something like that where it's like, <laughs> right, oh, there you go. I see what he painted. Man, that's amazing. He could... Well, anyway, yeah. so, you know, there's effort. Then there's the stopwatch came in, and I didn't even have one of those till like, I don't think I had one in college. The coach had one. He'd time us. But when we went out and did Fartlick, I remember Jay Dirksen laying his watch on the dashboard of the car and said, we're going to go for an hour of Fartlick. Mike and Mark, uh, I would always get hooked up with Mike Bills. Randy Fisher would go with Mark Bills. He'd try to match us up to kind of yeah. push each other a little bit, be equally matched so one of us wasn't going to get driven into the ground. And he said, when you, when you think an hour's about up, come on back to the car, take a look at the watch, and if you still got 10 minutes, head out for another 10 minutes. Now, when you think <laughs> yeah. about this, you go, what? What? There was one watch for 10 guys. Yes, the coach had it. And we don't, he laid exactly. in the dashboard, locked the car so nobody could steal the darn thing. And you could look through the window and see how much time you have left. Anyway, yeah. and, and so that's, but then, oh. you know, pay, running by time, you know, I'd go to the track and you're, 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 you're timing your quarters, you're timing your 800s, you're timing sure. your miles. Now, out on the road, Fartlek, unless you just say, I'm going to run for a period of time. That, that's a good tool. You know, so I'm going to go for two minutes and then yeah. when the two minutes are up, I'll, I'll know it's done. Then heart rate came into the scene. I never used heart rate and running beards. I don't think we Nor did heart I. rate monitors. Now they're very common and I think everybody's got one. And I, I'm going to put on our website, I've got, I wrote up a thing one time about how to train through, um, yes, with, with a, a plan and how you yeah. can compare different levels of perceived exertion with different levels of heart rate. So what's easy should be a heart rate in this zone. And then we talk about yeah. zone training. And so, and, and um, now, you know, and, and you can use heart rate even for fartlek. You know, I, I, I did it on my bike, usually indoors. I would ride my bike till I got my heart rate to like 90% of my maximum, let's say 150. <sighs> Take the tension off. And as soon as my heart rate would drop below 120, guess what I would do? Crank it back up. Tighten so you use up. your heart rate as your guide Back sure. and forth. Now, as you get fit, it takes longer to get your heart rate up to 150, and it drops really fast to 120. So you're right. So the fitter you get, the longer the interval, the shorter the recovery. But if you're not very so that's good not shape, a bad way to oh, do it if you're into much. that kind so of stuff. Lots of ways to skin that cat. You know, I think the last thing I'm going to finish. I'll let you finish up yours. Is um, you know, training's like a jigsaw puzzle, and we all have the same pieces. 
I don't know if that makes sense. You know, the long run, the intervals, the hill sure. intervals, the, the crunch. We all got the same, I guess, uh, tools in our toolbox. Now, how do you use them and assemble this puzzle? You know, that's the that's thing. That's the key. Yeah, the, and we haven't even got into the recovery because, you know, training is, is, well, the key to success is training. Well, wait a minute. Training is actually breaking your body down. Exactly. The key is recovery. Recovery is when training and, and, occurs. And done. Occurs. We'll talk more about that down I the road because so. that's something that I wish, when I look back now, I wish my easy days would have been a lot easier than they uh-huh. were. It is what it is. All right. Done. Another oh, fun Vince, You got to go back. Um, do you want to do the closing or should I? Well, I just <laughs> want to thank everybody for listening. And if you have any comments about the show, you can contact us directly at our website at beardsanddonepod.com or leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or X, all at Beards and Done Pod. Nice. And if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to hit the comment. We'd love to have you subscribe. And if you enjoyed the podcast, interested in some merchandise, check out our website. And like I said, I'll post up some stuff uh, uh, since we talked about training, some training information on the extras on our website. So if anybody's interested, take a look at that. Beard's always a joy, man. Hey, you right back at you, Mike. You have a good day, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.